A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be talking with Kaylee Neiman from Gun Owners of America about the inaugural Gun Owners Advocacy and Leadership Summit, which was announced just a couple of days ago, going to take place in mid-August in Knoxville, Tennessee. But before we get to that conversation, we have to talk about what happened at the Supreme Court today. Uh, Oral arguments held in Garland versus Cargill. This is the challenge to the uh, ATF's ban on bump stocks imposed after the Las Vegas shooting uh, nearly five years ago. Um, The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has uh, ruled that the ATF's ban uh, violated the... uh, federal statute as to what a machine gun is all about. Other uh, appellate courts have disagreed. They have uh, found in favor of the government. And I listened to the nearly two hours of oral arguments today. I wish I had a better idea of how this case was going to turn out. Uh, there were some tough questions uh, for both sides, although <laughs> not too many tough questions from the liberal wing of the court when it came to the DOJ attorneys, right? They they seemed uh, inclined to accept the DOJ's argument that a single function of the trigger uh, can encompass and include uh, manual action by the user of the firearm. Uh, which is basically what their case hinges on. Um, The federal statute in question defines a machine gun as a a firearm that fires multiple rounds through a single function of the trigger. And that phrase, single function of the trigger, must have been said a thousand times during the, at least it seemed like it was a thousand times during the oral arguments. Uh, The government attorneys again contending that the single function of a trigger can encompass uh, and must encompass Actions on the part of the user of that firearm, uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch questioned that, um, wondering how a person can function. Uh, he said, you know, you can throw a ball, you can pull a trigger, but a person can't function. And so if you're looking at the plain text of the statute, this would seem to encompass only the mechanical action of the trigger itself. Uh, the government, and again, the liberal wing of the courts disagreed, or the liberal wing of the court does seem to disagree anyway, uh, suggesting that, uh, in essence, uh, any mechanical operation, uh, any manual action on the part of the user is a part of a trigger's function. Now, the attorneys for Michael Cargill, uh, I think, did a very good job of refuting and rebutting that argument, noting that without a continued forward push, And I'm left-handed, so I'm going to be using what would probably be your offhand. But unless you are continually pushing forward with your offhand as you are firing that rifle, a bump stock equipped uh, semi-automatic rifle isn't going to fire any faster than a semi-automatic rifle without a bump stock attached. It requires human effort to increase the rate of fire. Now, the government attorneys also contended that this case was not about an increased rate of fire, although the liberal wing of the court seem to disagree with that, uh, suggesting that, oh, in fact, uh, Congress, when it passed its statute in the 1930s under the Gun Control uh, National Firearms Act of 1934, uh, that they were intending to include not just the uh, machine guns as defined in the statute, uh, but in essence, any uh, firearm or any uh, attachment 
that could increase the rate of fire. And I got to say, they were playing really fast and loose with a lot of terms, not just the function of the trigger, but the word automatic. They were, uh, I think it was Justice Jackson who repeatedly talked about how bump stock equipped guns are firing automatically, something that the attorney for Michael Cargill uh, had to repeatedly refute, saying no, even with a bump stock equipped gun, uh, a, a rifle, um, it still requires a separate pull of the trigger for additional rounds to be fired. So it's not about the rate of fire. It is, again, about how this trigger functions. And I think ultimately that is what this case is going to hinge on, uh, where a majority of the court comes down. Do they give, you know, congressional uh, legislators from the 1930s Undue deference? Do they give the ATF undue deference in interpreting a statute from the 1930s to encompass things like bump stocks that weren't around at the time? Uh, or do they decide that, you know what, if Congress wanted to change this statute to encompass bump stocks, then it was up to Congress to do so rather than simply allowing the ATF to rewrite, essentially, um, the federal statute or to reinterpret the federal statute in a way that it had declined to do so throughout multiple administrations. I think it was Justice Gorsuch who also noted that uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein was among those who argued that it was Congress's job to legislate bump stocks. It was not up to the administration to try to ban them uh, through a reinterpretation of existing rules. But again, I, I, I can't give you a uh, solid prediction as to how I think this case is going to come down. The government had a very emotional argument uh, you know, let's, let's grant broad leeway to the agency to do this because otherwise you're going to have, you know, hundreds of thousands, but not millions of Americans running around with, uh, you know, weapons that can uh, spray a torrent of bullets, as uh, Justice Jackson uh, described it, uh, versus the contention of Michael Cargill's attorneys that, listen, there are indeed uh, millions of Americans who will be impacted by the ATF's rule because they could be charged with a federal felony for possessing a machine gun. Uh, even though what they really possess is a non-mechanical attachment to a semi-automatic firearm. I know how I want this court to come down. If the court is looking at the uh, plain text of the statute in question, I don't think there's any doubt where the court must come down. I'm just not convinced that we're not going to see some emotional games being played here in an attempt to uphold the ban on bump stocks. It'll be a couple of months before we learn what the court is going to do here, but um, you can check out the oral arguments for yourself today. The Supreme Court's website does have a uh, link to the oral arguments, and you should be able to listen for yourself later this afternoon. All right, now let's turn our attention to something else that is uh, down the road just a few months, the very first Gun Owners Advocacy and Leadership Summit. Announced by the Gun Owners of America just a few days ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with Kaylee Neiman, GOA's Director of Development, yesterday to talk about this upcoming event and uh, why it is different than uh, other gatherings like, you know, SHOT Show or the NRA annual meeting, what they are hoping to do with the first goals convention coming up in a couple of months. Take a look and a listen. Kaylee, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. It's really good talking with you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And all right. So you got to tell us all about this uh, new leadership summit that is coming to Knoxville, Tennessee in August. I'm really excited about this. Yes, well, it has been a long time coming. Um, our team has been working on it for um, behind the scenes about two years now. So um, Gun Owners Advocacy and Leadership Summit, or GOALS for short, 
is designed not only for us as a community to come together and have a great time, but it's designed that every single person that comes gets energized and empowered to go back home and to really amplify our voices like never before. This is a springboard. This is a launch board. And I promise it's not going to be like anything you've seen before. Okay, so I, I I won't ask you to make any comparisons then, because I know when folks think about, you know, big gun gatherings, you've got SHOT Show, which is not open to the public, right? That's a trade show. Uh, you got the NRA annual meeting. You've got uh, Gun Rights Policy Conference. Um, are we going to see, you know, you talk about uh, the, the, the leadership aspect of this. And obviously, there are going to be a lot of great speakers, a lot of great panels. Um, will there be a sort of, you know, guns and gear component to this? Or is this? Uh, yes. Yes, there will. Yes. So, yes, there's going to be a lot of that. We have um, a full expo floor with all of the best brands that have also joined with GOA in the fights, many of them. So um, I don't know if if those are watching or paying attention to everything that GOA puts out. I know we put out a lot, but um, we have a No Compromise Alliance, which is gun companies that actually stand up and have fought back against the pistol braces and and placa and all of the things that's facing the industry just like you our members are fighting and so um it's great when we can have a uh, convention like goals that brings everyone together so everyone can um get to see you know get to experience uh the community get to see all of the new products but um also see who's in the fight with you well, absolutely. Right. And, and we know that, sadly, there are some look, there are a lot of gun owners who are not Second Amendment activists. Right. They, they they own their guns, but they're not actively defending their right to do so. Um, and unfortunately, I think that's the, the same with some companies. I, I would like to think that if you're operating within the firearms industry, you understand the existential threat uh, that the Biden administration and the gun control groups pose to not only uh, your rights, but your livelihood as well. Um, so I would encourage every company that's operating in this space to be a part of this uh, uh, alliance with uh, GOA, um, because the fight really is important, you know, and, and this is going to be held in August, just a few months before Election Day. What do you want gun owners to take away from this uh, gathering in terms of, you know, activating uh, not only themselves, but their family members, their friends, their fellow gun owners to turn out and vote in November? Yeah, absolutely. So we at GOA have a definition of what a gun rights activist is, and it's someone who takes personal responsibility, not only in the use of their firearms, but in the defense of their right to own them. And that is at the the bedrock of who GOA is. My hope is that by coming to goals, you set personal goals for yourself on what you want your activism to look like. Is it you know, showing up at election day? Is it block walking for a pro-gun candidate? Is it sending more emails or making more phone calls and letting your legislator know where you stand? Those are personal things because, you know, everyone has an opportunity cost. And when you take that personal responsibility to own a firearm, that next step is taking that personal responsibility to defend that right. Absolutely. So it, it sounds like like goals is not just going to be a place where folks can uh, can go and they can sit passively to uh, to, to speeches, but they're going to be actively engaged in learning how to be more effective activists. Absolutely. 
Um, this is, like I said, this is not something we've seen um, before in the way that we're approaching things. Um, it's going to be interactive. It's going to be engaging. And I don't think that you're going to want to be passive after attending goals. I think I think that, you know, you get around the, the Second Amendment community and, and you're fired up and you've listened to some great speeches. You've had some fun listening to musical guests. You've maybe added five, 10, 100 things to your wish list. Who am I to judge? And, you know, you you get home and you're like, wow. So I got to bring some friends to this next year. I've got to talk to some people. And hopefully um, people who attend will learn how to build an on-ramp for people who aren't involved in the Second Amendment community to get involved in the Second Amendment community. And you get a chance to be a part of, of the inaugural edition of goals, yes. right? You get to be there right at the beginning, which I think is really cool. So how, how can folks attend? I mean, do you have to be a GOA member? Is this open to the public? Who, who, who's invited? So um, it's open to all GOA members. Um, and so our membership is, is fairly cost efficient. It is $25 a year. I don't think you can go to McDonald's for $25 uh, nowadays. So um, you know, we really want this to be a celebration of our membership. Our our members deserve this. Um, you know, they're battle tested and they they're constantly in the fight. And so um, join if you haven't joined and come to Knoxville and celebrate with us. All right. How can folks learn more uh, about goals uh, where, you know, where where it's taking place, uh, how they register uh, travel plans, things of that nature? Yes. So goals.gunowners.org. Um, is the, the web address, but you can also get there um, just by going to gunowners.org, which is our main website. Okay. What, what made you uh, pick Nashville as the site for the first goals? So um, Knoxville, I'm sorry, Knoxville. not Nashville. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's in Knoxville for a couple of reasons. Um, one, we have a great firearms community that is um in Tennessee and around Tennessee, it it touches the most states. It's fairly easy to get to for everybody. Um, to the convention center, um, we were able to to work out so that people can lawfully carry, which is you know highly important uh, to us. And so um, that also helped make the decision. And then also um, on a personal note, I'm based right outside of Knoxville, and um, <laughs> as the uh, as the kind of main person that's putting uh, this on with uh, with our team, it's uh, good to be boots on the ground for the first one. Absolutely. Do, do you um, have you thought this far ahead? Do you plan on rotating where this is held? Is this going to be is Knoxville going to be the home base for goals every year? Is that still kind of up in the air? It's still kind of up in the air. We're we're going to listen to our members and and what they want. Um, you know, we would love to to kind of get the first one under our belt and maybe the first two under our belt. And then um, I just from there, just because, you know, with anything um, you want to constantly be raising the bar. And so we need to see how, how high we need to raise it each year, but uh, I'm excited. Well, I'm excited too. Uh, Knoxville is a short seven or eight hour drive for me in central Virginia. So I am Looking forward to heading down uh, Interstate 81 this summer and uh, checking out goals in Knoxville. And we've got to have you back because I know that, uh, you know, between now and August, you're going to be releasing, you know, some of the names of the speakers, uh, some of the folks are going to be putting on these seminars, the musical guests. So as you've got more to share about goals, we want you to share it here with us here on Cam and Company. Will you do that? Absolutely. And I really appreciate that, that open invitation.
Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, one final question. I always like to ask this of first time guests. Um, this is this is not a tough one. It's not a I promise. Um, but what made you get into Second Amendment activism? Why are you a Second Amendment activist, Kaylee? Well, um, this this story just got a lot longer. <laughs> this interview just got a lot longer. Um, yeah. So I grew up in East Tennessee. My dad had the basic uh, issue for East Tennesseans, which is a shotgun and a revolver. Um, I went to ETSU in Johnson City, Tennessee, and uh, rented an apartment right off of campus. And there was um, a shooting and a couple of stabbings that took place within um, a, a pretty short amount of time frame. And I looked at my whole five foot self and was like, I got to do something about this. And so um, I went and I um, went to a great little little gun shop. I bought a, a little Bursa 380. Um, barely could afford it. Um, definitely had a a ramen week um, to to get the budget right. But um, it was important to me that I I took took care of myself and um, was really disgusted to be honest with you to see that um, all of the rapes and the the things that were happening on campuses. And knowing that I had the ability to protect myself in theory, but not in actuality because Tennessee didn't have campus carry and uh, didn't know what I was doing and uh, went to the Tennessee legislature and they were like, you have to have appointments. And I was like, okay. Um, And went, got appointments and just started actually talking to people and got pushed around. Um, And then started a campus group for um, conservative gun owners on campus. And the rest is kind of kind of history. And I've been doing it ever since. That's amazing. I, I am, first of all, I'm very grateful uh, and glad that you took your safety seriously. Uh, and I'm glad that you were able to translate your own personal experience into helping others. Um, because, you know, these are some of the issues that we're facing here, right? We've got jurisdictions around the country that are trying to price people out of their rights. Uh, they don't want you to just eat ramen for a week. They want you to eat ramen for a year uh, in yeah. order to simply apply for a concealed carry license. We we see the burdens that the gun control activists are trying to put on hardworking Americans to, to make it unaffordable to exercise mm-hmm. their right of self-defense. So I'm glad that we've got somebody with your perspective and your experience on our side fighting for our rights. And, and I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Well, thank you for allowing it. It's not something I get to share every day. So it was um, it's kind of nice to go back to memory lane to where it all started. Absolutely. Well, listen, Kaylee, thank you so much for coming on the program. I really enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to continuing this in the future. Uh, but again, if folks want more information about goals, just go to goals.gunowners.org. Is that right? Absolutely. All right, Kaylee, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. My thanks to Kaylee for joining us on the program. It was uh, great actually connecting with her. Look forward to talking to her again in the future. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a case out of Missouri. Here's the headline. A felon avoids prison time for a 2023 shooting, not to mention avoiding prison time for being a felon in possession of a firearm. How about that? A uh, case out of Joplin, Missouri. Dylan Burns, 29 years of age ended up taking a guilty plea to first-degree assault in Jasper County, Missouri, this week. Uh, The judge gave him a 15-year sentence and then suspended it in its entirety, 
placing Burns instead on five-year supervised probation. As part of the uh, plea agreement, prosecutors also dropped a charge of armed criminal action. I'm not sure. doesn't sound like Burns was actually charged with being a felon in possession of a firearm, although that certainly wouldn't have been applicable here. Burns admitted to shooting another man with a pistol as that man ran away from him after a, a confrontation at a residence in Carterville, Missouri. Uh, when that happened, Burns was on probation for felony drug charges. Uh, but again, not charged apparently with felon in possession, or if he was, that too was dropped as part of the plea agreement. And uh, yeah, Dylan Burns, who admitted to shooting somebody, running away from him during a confrontation, takes this plea to a first degree assault. Judge says, all right, 15 years in prison. Nah, just kidding. Five years probation instead. You stay on the straight and narrow and uh, you'll be just fine. And frankly, even if Mr. Burns does not stay on the straight and narrow, the odds of him actually uh, being sentenced to a full 15 years for violating his probation? Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Today's Armed Citizen story from Saline County, Arkansas, where WSA homeowner confronted a uh, burglar who was leaving uh, the residence as he arrived home. Uh, a uh, encounter that led to the uh, armed burglary suspect being shot by the uh, homeowner. Officials with the Saline County Sheriff's Office uh, say the deputies responded to calls of a shots fired. Uh, this was, I believe, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, when they arrived, deputies said that they found the homeowner who told them that he had called 911. man said that he saw the suspect coming out of his house, and the suspect pointed a gun at him. The homeowner said he then drew his own firearm and shot at the suspect, who was identified by authorities as uh, John Nutt. Deputies say that Nutt then ran away from the home. Teams searched the nearby area, were able to find him and take him into custody. Investigators said they did find stolen property uh, with Nutt when deputies located him. Um, no word on if they found a uh, firearm with Mr. Nutt at the time, but authorities said he was taken to a nearby hospital for treatment of non-life-threatening injuries. He is expected to face charges, including uh, residential burglary and aggravated assault. The homeowner, at this point, not expected to face any charges, according to the Sheriff's Department. We'll keep our eyes on this story and bring you any more details as they become available. Finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing able to do the right thing, a Minnesota, uh, well... The headline calls him a garbage man, but I think we can call him a sanitation engineer who uh, was able to rescue a trove of World War One uh, memorabilia is not the right word for it, but uh, belongings uh, of a late veteran who had uh, passed away and somehow his stuff ended up at the garbage dump. Uh, this was in the uh, small town of Ashby, Minnesota, the uh, Echo Press paper and uh, WDAY-TV reporting. It was just a couple of days ago that uh, a trash collector who was working at a transfer station noticed this box containing letters and pictures from World War I that somebody had just thrown out. Uh, Janice Ellingson, who is a, a historian with the uh, American Legion there in Ashby, Minnesota, Said he spotted these caps and saw letters in between the post number 357 and the address here. He called the Legion. The collection apparently belonged to uh, World War I veteran Ernie Hansen, who lived in Ashby, Minnesota for years. Uh, included in the box were his American Legion caps and patches. Uh, Ellingson said that uh, Hansen was a rural mail, rural mail carrier for 47 years. And this box not only had some of his belongings from his time serving in World War One, but had his report cards, had his letters. He was part of the first graduating class in Ashby, Minnesota, back in 1918. Uh, and now the small town of Ashby is going to uh, hopefully highlight 
this collection. The uh, trash collector, by the way, said he didn't want to talk about his fines, at least publicly. Uh, but he said he did tell the folks at the American Legion in Ashby that after he saw what was in the box, he just couldn't throw it away. Uh, according to the Echo Press, the box likely ended up in the trash after an elderly loved one moved on or passed away. Uh, but now the collection is in the hands of folks who uh, will uh, keep the memory of Mr. Hansen alive. At least there at the uh, local American Legion Hall. So in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing to preserve a little bit of history. This uh, unnamed sanitation engineer in the uh, Twin Cities area, we thank you for your very, very good deed. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as well. Looking forward to seeing you back here tomorrow. Maybe we'll uh, talk with some other uh, folks who were paying attention to the oral arguments and see if we can get a better sense of where the court might come down in uh, Garland versus Cargill. We'll see if we can arrange that for you tomorrow. In the meantime, don't forget to check out BarryandArms.com throughout the day. We're keeping you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the country and even around the globe. Covered uh, New Zealand's second thoughts on a semi-auto ban, for example, uh, yesterday on Cam and Company. And we're always looking to see what's going on with the uh, right to keep and bear arms around the globe, but particularly right here at home. And if you like what you see, I encourage you to become a VIP or VIP member as well. Just go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS or Save America. You can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. We thank you very much for your support. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.